Hello and welcome. This is Modern Beers and 90s Nostalgia. I am your host, Justin Lamb, and we have a fun show for you this week. We're going to go over one of the greatest and critically worst movies of the 90s. And uh, same movie I had a blockbuster VHS case for, for years. I kept it as a memento. Now it is gone. And we're going to drink a... spring summer beer that comes out right around opening day every year from bell's brewery oberon i'm gonna crack one of those open in a minute and talk about the movie that i'm speaking of which is the movie that i'm talking about which is the movie we will be discussing today and that movie is purred happily no that movie is uh mall rats so a lot of a lot of fun stuff coming up a lot of fun clips grossly inappropriate Kevin Smith is a, a 90s genius and a 2000s good guy. That might get back to him. I'm just going to say, rock on Kevin Smith. Love me some mall rats. So let's jump into it and let's start with the beer as we do every episode from here until eternity. One day I'm just going to start talking about 90s stuff. I'm not even going to introduce the fucking show just going to start talking about 90 stuff and then after one or two episodes someone's going to go hey justin where'd the beer go and be like i've been asking myself that question for years and that'll force them to go back and listen to a bunch of episodes it won't be years though you never know i'm literally rambling about nonsense right now so should probably cut to something This week we are drinking one of Michigan's favorites and turning out to be one of the country's favorites um, around this time of year when it starts to get warm out, which in Michigan has taken for fucking ever, but we'll talk about that another time or not at all. Um, Bell's Brewing Oberon Ale. This is out of Comstock, Michigan. You're probably familiar with Bell's for its uh, Two-Hearted or Best Brown or any number of other beers you can get throughout the year. But right around opening day, the end of March, beginning of April, there is what is affectionately known as Oberon Day, and that's the day that Oberon gets released, and you can find it on tap at your local pub, and go get it and try it out, and every batch every year is a little different. Some are better than others, but it always it always tastes wonderful. It's an American wheat ale. If you're a mainstream drinker and just getting into craft beer, it's very much like a Blue Moon style air, ale almost said air it's like air guys it's really light it's like air Uh, a lot of people especially restaurants bars serve this with an orange i don't know if it was intended to be that way or not i'm not a fan of putting the fruit in it no judgment if you are throw me a lime in any mexican beer but it's not a it's not an orange wedge kind of beer for me let's pop it open because it's delicious throw it on the ground yeah boy sorry i was just having a good time with that bottle cap 
Oberon has been around for God, decades. And originally it was called Soul Sun, but had to change its name to Oberon because of a legal battle with the beer Soul, which means Sun. So it's probably better that way because that means their old beer was called Sun Sun, which is stupid. And guys, Bells does this wonderful thing. If you have a bottle of Bells with you now, or if you plan on having one later, try to keep this in mind. On their labels on the back for at least the last six months, probably longer, they have a shelf life built right into it. So you can see, like Oberon, shelf life, six months. Ta-da! Who needs an expiration date? Shelf life, six months. Tells you the date it's packaged right below that. But I point this out because people try to age beers that aren't supposed to be aged. So, like, uh, bars will hold on to kegs of Oberon. They'll be like, oh, people are going to be super surprised when we tap this in November. Yeah, they're going to be surprised. They're going to be surprised they're drinking expired dirt beer. Stop it. Stop trying to age things that don't need aging. You don't have a bourbon barrel you're dumping it in. It's just sitting in the case that Bell's packaged it in. Don't be stupid, people. Don't be stupid. Now, however, Bell's does have beers that have a shelf life of unlimited. They typically have a higher alcohol percentage, and that's what can support them aging because that alcohol kills off a lot of the bacteria that will form if you let it sit there for longer than it's supposed to. But that's enough science for one day. I have a delicious beer in front of me. Let's give it a try. Tastes like summer. And I know that's cliche, but it's true. It really does. It The citrus notes you get both uh, from the aroma and immediately when it hits your tongue really remind you of, of warm, sunny days, which is something we definitely need here in the north and probably the northeast as well because they got hammered pretty hard. That's what she said. But the color um, is a nice orange too. I mean, if you had a a depressed glass of orange juice, I imagine it would be the same color orange. And if I hold it right up to the light bulb, just without touching the light bulb, you can't see what I'm doing, but it's probably unsafe. It's a, it looks like a dark mimosa. Hmm. But it's delicious. It comes out once a year and it stays around for quite a while, which is nice. Unlike some other beers and like, Oh, once a year guys get it this week or you'll never try it. Cause then I'm like, well, I guess I'll never try it then. Cause you're an asshole. And this is delicious. This is really good. Um, you probably have had it. I don't want to like sit here and talk about a beer you've had a billion times. But they have done some fun things with the label over the years. And the cap is now a blue bottle cap with the Oberon Sun logo on it, which is cool. And if you do any arts and crafts stuff, Oberon is a great little beer to do stuff with. I used to make uh, wooden six packs that had beer logos on the outside of them, just uh, lacquered right on there. And Oberon's a fun one to do that. It's a great thing to take to the beach in the summer or the lake. And it's fun. It's a fun thing. Oh, maybe we'll add an arts and crafts section to this. Just kidding. It's delicious. Go get some Oberon. Enjoy this weather. Keep your pants on. That's an order.
fast on the heels of Clerks, Kevin Smith's sophomore movie, which some may call a sophomore slump, though I would disagree, is Mallrats from 1995, starring Jason Lee, Jeremy London, Shannon Doherty, Claire Forlani, and a slew of other supporting characters, including obviously Jay and Silent Bob, um, Ben Affleck, Joey Lauren Adams, Ethan Seppley, blah, 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 Michael Rooker. The, it, the list goes on. It's a lot. There's a lot of people. Stan Lee makes an appearance. Good for him. Uh, and this was before all the damn Marvel movies where Stan Lee makes his appearance in all those. So I, I got to respect it. Stan Lee's a good guy. He's a funny guy and I like him, but Mallrats is hilarious. And I was just in an argument about this movie recently because a friend of mine said, oh, that's a Gen X movie. And I immediately went, uh, no, it's not, because I'm not Gen X. And I watched it literally every day after school for months at a time, which is probably not healthy because I was like 12. But uh, then I stopped for a second and thought about the release and the name and the, the, the age of the characters. And I'm way, I'm very, very wrong. Kevin Smith is, is like a Gen X god. Because these guys are like 23, probably, the characters. And this was 95. So they had a good 10 years on me. Definitely Gen Xers. And I don't think most people make movies about college kids for preteens. Pretty sure that's not their target audience. But Mallrats is about uh, T.S. Quint, who's played by Jeremy London. Don't get confused with his brother Jason London, though they look awfully alike. Uh, he's going to propose to his girlfriend and then his girlfriend breaks up with him before he can. Brandy dumped you. Wait a second. Aren't you two supposed to go to Florida? Yeah. Should have left this morning. Oh, it gets worse. I was going to propose to her. Where? On the Universal tour. You're kidding. What part? When Jaws pops out of the water. That's the most romantic thing I've ever heard. So he has to go on her father's game show, which is like a dating game show and try to win her back and they're filming it at the mall and the mall just so happens to be the place where jason lee's character brody likes to hang out for no good reason because he's a mall rat fucking mall rat kids hanging out no shopping agenda they don't come here to shop they just come here to hang out that's ben affleck that's my ben affleck impression because he's the bully in the movie who also likes to fuck people in the ass it's not a not a euphemism it's true and the movie's fantastic the soundtrack's fantastic it's so funny like this movie is really really funny and it's very inappropriate humor so if you're not a fan of dick and fart jokes you probably won't like it as much and i'm not like a big fan of dick and fart jokes but when they're written as well as kevin smith can write literally anything it it has to be good and i'm really sad because in doing research i found out that they were going to make a sequel to it in uh, 2015 and then that sequel got turned into a tv series and then that tv series got turned into nothing because no studio would buy it and i mean i guess i don't blame them given the critical acclaim and lack of acclaim what's the opposite word of acclaim doesn't matter um that the movie got but either way i was super pumped to find out that that was going to happen and in the same paragraph find out that it's not happening ever because it got shopped around And I guess after 10 studios or so said no, they just said it was dead. (laughs) 
If you are a fan of Kevin Smith and the View Askew universe, View Askew universe, whatever you want to call it, his movies he does um, with Jason Mewes, Scott Mosier, and a lot of the same cast members from different movies. This includes uh, Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, Clerks 2, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. I put those in the wrong order. And uh, Jersey Girl. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. No. You know what, though? I would like that movie a lot more if Jane Silent Bob just made a random appearance. That'd be that'd be pretty good. But no, they're not in Jersey Girl. They are in Scream 3. They do make a cameo in Scream 3. So way to go there on a Hollywood tour, which, you know, matches up with Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Oh, my God. World's colliding. There's so much friction. Comedy friction and horror friction. It's just like, what's going on? (laughs) Man. But the nice thing, if you're a fan of Kevin Smith and the View Askew films and the things that he writes, he always ties in these background characters that you either never see or you see occasionally, or they're always played by different people, uh, like Walt Flanagan's dog and Walt Flanagan and the people that uh, fuck Joey Lauren Adams in a Chinese finger trap, I believe it's called, from Chasing Amy. And uh, what's-his-name dies. You guys, this is, I have a friend, Anthony, and when I can't remember things, he always remembers them and screams them at his phone, so I'm sure that's happening right now. But who dies in Clerks? I have to go to his funeral. Because that ties in here. Um... And the whole reason that uh, Michael Rooker, who is the uh, Jared Svenning, who owns the Truth or Date show, or is the producer or whatever, his daughter has to fill in and be on the show, who T.S. Quint was going to marry, because uh, the girl who was going to be on the show died in a pool. Mid-backstroke. Unbelievable. And then Jay and Silent Bob launch a bunch of schemes to take out the security officer, so they can knock down the stage and stop the show from happening because it seems like everyone owes Brody a favor for nothing because he doesn't do anything with his life. But that's neither here nor there. Some of those schemes are hatched out as such. First you take a run at LaFour's, but the sock full of quarters. I'd do it, but I pull my back out humping your mom last night, Neech. Okay, you clock him on his headpiece and knock his ass out cold. That's when phase two kicks in. I attack the structure, Wolvie Berserk style, knock out the fucking pin, and bickety-bam, the motherfucker's rubble. Hence, no game show. Now, this was Jason Lee's first role, uh, which is crazy, because he went on to be super successful for about... 10 to 12 years. I don't know what the hell he's doing now. And I'm pretty sure he's a Scientologist. So God help us. But this was his first role. And I think he, he nailed the character. Like I can't imagine anyone else reading those lines and the way that he just inflects anger into his voice through volume and whatever the hell he's doing with this. It's just really good. Um, Cause he has this weird voice where, he can use the same kind of raspiness to sound like nice and sincere and then turn it around and sound like an asshole. It's kind of perfect. Um, Shannon Doherty, I guess was kind of a bitch to work with. I don't know if they've patched things up since then or not, but I will say this personal note. I've met Shannon Doherty and I worked on her television show, breaking up with Shannon Doherty, where she would break up with people's significant others for them. 
that was a real show. It's not a concept I'm pitching. Uh, I worked on it. It was funny. But yeah, she would. She the whole premise of the show is Shannon Doherty herself would break up with your girlfriend for you or your boyfriend for you. <laughs> if you've never heard of this, look it up. It's a great premise. But I worked on that show. I met her. She is the nicest person. Uh, she's funny. She's super kind. She's always hanging out with her mom, but not in like a creepy way, in a really nice way. Uh, so good for her. I mean, obviously, I've never worked with her as an actress. And I'm a director or anything, but I worked with her on enough episodes of her own show where I feel like she's a good person. So maybe back off, you guys. Plus, I imagine working on set mid-90s with the Mallrats crew and Kevin Smith's writing. It was, it was, if you're a female or a progressive thinker, it may be a hostile work environment. So hats off to you Claire Forlani who's I believe Australian plays an American in this movie and uh, went on to do Meet Joe Black and then a number of other things that I can't remember right now including the one I can Magicians which is a B movie that I don't know if it even came to theaters but if you guys go find that movie you'll recognize the other guy in there with the accent I don't remember what he's from right now, but Lockstock, Two Smoking Barrels, maybe? But Funny movie. I'm getting off track, though. Let's hear a little clip, a little song. I'll tell you some funny stuff about Mallrats. Well, my cousin Walter jerked off in public once. True story. He was on a plane to New Mexico when all of a sudden the hydraulics went. The plane started spinning around, going out of control, so he decides it's all over and whips it out and starts beating it right there. So all the other passengers take a cue from him and they start whipping it out and beating like mad. So all the passengers are beating off, plummeting to their certain doom, when all of a sudden, the hydraulics kick back in and the plane rights itself. It lands safely and everyone puts their pieces or whatever, you know, away and deboard. Nobody mentions the phenomenon to anyone else. Well, did he come or what? Jesus Christ, man. There's just some things you don't talk about in public. Mallrats is filled with fun facts. Um, if you've seen the movie, some of the behind the scenes and inside jokes and just some of the general knowledge about its filming is, is pretty funny. Uh, for instance, Brody's character or Jason Lee's character, Brody, wears a shirt that has like a distorted face on it. And if you ever wondered what that was, it's uh, this is my favorite thing. This is why I like Kevin Smith. I feel like he'd be fun to work with because he does weird shit like this. Um, Brody's shirt is all the people that auditioned for Brody's role that didn't get it. It's pictures of them mashed up in a computer and then, you know, manipulated and printed out on a shirt which is funny. <laughs> it's like, Hey, you didn't get it. And now your face is all distorted on a t-shirt in the entire movie. Um, this was filmed in Eden Prairie, which is near Minneapolis, Eden Prairie mall. I've driven by it. It's not there anymore. They might've ripped it down as they do with many malls nowadays, but the mall is, was just super dead when they were filming. Um, not nearly as busy as it looked. And if you notice uh, Shannon Doherty's character throughout the movie, there's a few funny things with Shannon Doherty's character. Uh, first, 
Ethan Suppley, who plays Willem, who tries to figure out the fucking magic eye poster throughout the entire movie. He calls her Brenda at one point, which was improv that Kevin Smith told him to say to her. And she didn't know that was happening. So she reacted in turn when she says Dick. And then, um, Shannon Doherty wrote into her contract that she gets to keep her wardrobe. So you'll see her in a different outfit in like almost every scene. She wears like three different things in the movie. And her justification was, oh, well, she's just putting on new clothes every time she shops. She like wears the clothes out of the store. That way she can keep what she put on there, which is funny. Good times. Uh, The studio is a bunch of dickheads because the studios got interested in Kevin Smith because of Clerks and what a success that was. So this one was kind of rushed out and they didn't want Jason Mewes to play uh, Jay. They wanted Seth Green to play Jay and forced Kevin Smith to audition people. Brecken Meyer also auditioned. And of course it went to Jay because only Jay can play Jay. You know what I mean? There are a lot of fun nods and coincidences in this movie. Uh, For instance, Jaws, or the Jaws ride at Universal is brought up. And uh, T.S., Brody, and I believe Bruce are all character names from Jaws, uh, which was obviously done intentionally. Uh, Joey Lauren Adams, who plays Renee, I believe is her character's name, is in the movie with uh, Jeremy London. And... And Dazed and Confused is the girlfriend of Jason London. And who appears in both movies, Ben Affleck. Spoiler alert, he's a piece of shit in both movies. It's funny that early on Ben Affleck only got cast as an asshole. And it seems like it was only that way until he won an Oscar. And then they were like, well, fine, let's put him in Pearl Harbor. Something to think about. And, uh... Ben Affleck went on to become Batman. That means nothing. It's just a fun fact. Final fun story, uh, personal story, very personal story. I've tattooed Silent Bob onto my penis. Nope, just kidding. Not that personal. But uh, there's a scene where Silent Bob is dressed as Batman to some degree. He has a cape and a helmet with Batman ears on it. And he flies through the air and crashes his head through a changing room of a women's clothing store. It was a fictional women's clothing store. It was not real. It was something made for the movie. And while I was working on a movie in Los Angeles, I got to go to the Universal Prop House. And while I was there, and if you guys don't know what a prop house is, it's a, it's a liter- it's exactly what it sounds like. It is a gigantic building filled with props. And movies come there and they rent props from those. So anytime you see, you know, like telephones, furniture, literally anything you see in a studio film is rented from prop houses unless it's like super unique then it's like made for that movie but even after that 
just like this, uh, what I'm about to tell you, uh, is sold to prop houses afterwards and then rented out in the future. So one of those items is one of the walls or the signs rather, I guess, Florida ceiling sign of this girl for this clothing store. And they had it at the prop house and I was there and I saw it and I lost my shit because I was obsessed with mall rats at the time. And this was like something that was in the movie. I felt like I was, I'm touching something that was in the movie and I was super fucking excited. But of course now who cares? I mean, I got Ben Chang's shirt on my fucking wall, people. Okay. That's enough about mall rats for today. That is going to do it for episode 32, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Tuning. 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 Tuning in. Tuning in. Tuning in. Tuning in. Thank you for doing that. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at BeersIn90s. And you can check out BeersIn90s.com. Who knows what's going on there? I sure as hell don't. Or email me, BeersIn90s at gmail.com. If you have a show idea, or maybe you have a beer you want to recommend, or maybe you want to send pictures of your recent family vacation, anything. I just want to talk to people. I don't have any friends. Please, please email me. Please tell me you love me. Why do I do this to myself? Because I like doing it. And I'm having a good time. I'm also having a few too many Oberons. Something to think about. That's all the time we got. Actually, there's no time limit. But for uh, I'm, for the sake of argument, I'm going to say that's all the time we got. Have a good day. Have a good week. I'll see you next week. Hey. See you next week. Hey. See you next week. Now. Before we go. Are you driving? Close your eyes. Let go of the wheel. Don't do it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Wake up. Grab the wheel. Just testing you guys. Stay on your feet. See you soon. Bye-bye. 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 Sand. You're on